I was by my uh, I was by my son yesterday for a few minutes. It's short. It's short. I was by my son yesterday, um, and what happened was we his brother-in-law Maurice was talking to his two nephews uh, Nathan and Lawrence, and he was this, he was talking about this pasuk. Vayidar Yaakov neder lemor. Yaakov makes a vow saying, Im Elohim imadi. If God will be with me, Ushmarani baderech, and he'll watch me on the road, Hazed, this road, Asher holech, that I'm going on, Venatan li lechem, he's going to give me bread le'echol to eat. You can't just have bread, you have to be able to eat it. He says, Ubeged luvosh, and clothing, just not a clothing, I want to be able to wear the clothing. Veshavti beshalom, and I return in peace, Elbet avi, to my father's house. Vehaya adonai, Li Lelohim. God will then be for me a God. What? So it's very hard to understand because it's as if he's making a deal with God. God, if you do all these things for me, then you'll be my God. And the question is, and if Nachayim, he says the proper explanation of what Yaakov said is that he was prepared to conduct himself in such a way that Hashem would consent to associate his name with Jacob. He says it that way. He doesn't say that he's making a deal. He's saying that it's on God to be the one who's going to be willing to associate himself with him. The Ramban said, this is not a condition as Rashi would have it. It is a vow. He says, if I'm going to return to my father's house I'm, and I will, I will worship the proper name of Hashem in this location... In the chosen land. What do you mean in the chosen land? He says there's a secret matter relating to this. He who dwells outside the land of Israel is like one who has no God. So according to the meaning of the quotation, Hashem's only going to be with Yaakov on a certain level. When? When he returns to Eretz Israel, And this is why Yitzchak could never leave Eretz Israel. Just to go further, the Orachayim brings something. He says, Yaakov also attributed this. He says, now who says, Hashem is going to be for me, Elohim. What does that mean? Hashem is going to be Elohim. What's Elohim? Is Midat Hadin. What's Hashem? Midat HaChesed. So what I suggested is that, so, so, so the Orachayim, he writes, he undertook to, to give 10%. And he's saying it's, it's the attribute of justice would be with him. And this is why he chose this. So when I originally learned this with the rabbi, he explained that a person should know that what is he saying? He's saying to Hashem, and if you think of it this way, we know Adam HaRishon was created in the world. And when the world was created, when Adam was there, the world was created following Midata Din, attribute of justice. Then it says Hashem realized, whatever that means, that the world could not exist by the attribute of justice. And he introduces the attribute of mercy. Comes Yaakov, who's the level of the tikkun of Adam. Remember, the face of Adam is the face of Jacob. When the angels see Jacob, who do they think he is? He thinks he's Adam. So after Abraham begins to be the tikkun of, of Adam, then Yitzchak more, the ultimate tikkun of Adam is who? Yaakov Avinu. 
it even we learned and it says that Abraham Avinu was only saved from the fire of Ur Kasdim in the merit of Jacob, his grandson, who wasn't even born. So Yaakov Avinu is the tikkun of Adam. What is Jacob saying here? He's saying, God, if you take care of me with the minimum necessities of life, then I will allow myself to be treated under the attribute of justice. Hashem, the Lord of mercy, to me, will be Elohim. He's going to be Metaken Adam, because Adam should have been able to survive under Midar Hadin. Jacob is saying, you could take me, and you could make me the Midar Hadin. That's one way of looking at it. The last way of looking at it is this. It's a conditional vow. So this is what Rabbeinu Bachia writes. He says, Our rabbis explain. My, what it, what's, what's it talking about? That he said this. It's that Yaakov Avinu wanted his descendants to know that in the future, if you find yourself in a difficult situation, you could make a vow from this. Although as a general rule, he writes, the Torah frowns on the making of vows, but when a person finds themselves in distress, it's perfectly permissible. This is why David HaMelech writes in Tehillim in 119, I swore an oath and I mean to keep it. In effect, what's going on here? Yaakov is making a deal with Hashem. This has been a time tradition honor among the Jewish people when it comes to dealing with Hashem. So I saw this story from Rabbi Fran. He tells about... He heard this story from a rabbi. His name is Rav Chatzkel Besser, who personally heard it from the Sada Gerer Rebbe in Tel Aviv. So much of life is being in the right place at the right time, and so much of life is being in the wrong place at the wrong time. He says the Sada Gerer Rebbe had to be in Vienna on Shabbat Parshat Zahor, March 12, 1938. It was a very inopportune Shabbat to be in Vienna. On that Friday, the brown-shirted Nazis marched into Vienna. They ransacked the Jewish homes. Subsequently, the Nazis invaded Vienna. That was the beginning of the end for the Viennese Viennese Jews. Ironically, the famous Reichman family, who lived in Vienna, should have had the bar mitzvah in Vienna of the grandson of, of the eldest brother, Edward Reichman, Unfortunately, or at least what they thought was unfortunate at the time, Mrs. Reichman's father still lived in Hungary in a city called Belet and he had a stroke. They wanted very much that the grandfather should be at the Bar Mitzvah. He was in no condition to travel to Vienna. So the week before the Bar Mitzvah, the entire Reichman family with their children left Vienna to go to Hungary. Samuel Reichman, the father, never again stepped foot in Vienna. That is how he was able to make it out of Europe. He fortuitously happened to be in Hungary when they attacked Vienna, and that's how he survived. But this Sadegar Rebbe, the reverse, he went to Vienna. He was there that Shabbat. They grabbed every important Jew they could grab, and they, they arrested them. He says they captured this Rebbe. And this is the background of the story. Years later, this Rav Besser is in Tel Aviv. Early one morning, 
he's walking into the shtibel of this Rebbe. This Rebbe survived the war. The Sadegar Rebbe, he survived the war. He has a small shtibel in Tel Aviv. He noticed that there's a Jewish guy sweeping the street in Tel Aviv in front of the, where the, where the shtibel is. When, the, when the, the street sweeper, when he got in front of the shtibel, he stopped sweeping. He walked past the shtibel and he continued to sweep. Now what happens is this Rabbi Besser sees it, he says, look at this, Jewish anti-Semite, you know, what are you against the religious rabbi? You sweep the whole street, you get to his border, you stop, and then you continue after the house. How could you do with that? It's not nice, why would you do that? So he says, Harebi, then he asks the guy, what are you doing? He says, Harebi lo noten reshut. The rabbi doesn't give permission to sweep in front of the shtibel. What do you mean? He doesn't believe him. How could it be possible? So he thought the street cleaner was making the story just not to do his job, just to be lazy. So he goes into the Rebbe and he says, why won't the guy sweep in front of you? The Rebbe says, leave me, leave me. Don't, doesn't answer him. This is Friday morning. He's there for the week. Friday night, he asks him again. Doesn't answer. Saturday morning, he asks him again. Saturday afternoon. Finally, at the end of Shabbat, he says, Rabbi, what does it mean? The rabbi doesn't give permission. So the rabbi says, when he was in Vienna on that Shabbat, on Shabbat Zachor in March 1938, the Nazis took him. They dressed him up, instead of being the rabbi he was, they dressed him up as a street cleaner, in the uniform of a street cleaner. They gave him a tiny little broom, a three-inch broom, and they told him to go clean all the steps of the Vienna Opera House. They ordered him to clean every step. He says this was humiliating. Not only that, how do you clean this whole giant place with a three-inch brush? Like, it's like cleaning with a toothbrush. He says he was wearing one of those street cleaners caps, essentially holding something like a toothbrush, cleaning the massive steps of this Vienna landmark. He says at that moment I made a deal with Borei Olam. He says, Ribono Shel Olam, Master of the Universe, if you help me escape from this place, I promise you I will sweep the streets of Eretz Yisrael. He made it out, he kept his promise. When he arrived in Eretz Yisrael, he set up his shtibel there. He accepted upon himself that he would not let anyone sweep outside the shtibel. He would do it himself. Every day he would sweep the sidewalk in front of his shul because of the deal he made with the Almighty and the tradition of Yaakov Avinu. If a person finds themselves in dire straits, a person could then make a deal with Hashem and say, please Hashem, save me. If you save me, I've heard women who made a deal with Hashem and said, Hashem, I will light candles every week, 10 minutes before the candle lighting time for the rest of my life. I heard stories of rabbis who told people, if you do such and such, you can make a deal with Hashem. <laughs> so I see people, you can make it. So according to the rabbis, you could make a deal with Hashem. And the, 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 the symbol of the deal with Hashem or the, the one that we have to learn from is the deal that uh, Yaakov made with, with Hashem. This idea is expressed in Shulchan Aruch. We see in Siman 569 of Orach Hayim. It says, Din noded This is someone who makes a vow in a time of trouble. And the Shulchan Aruch, he, he explains what happens. Yachid al sara, a person who is fasting because of any trouble. Be'avra, and it passed, or al-choleh, and he's fasting because of a sick person. He's saying, I'm taking upon myself to do this for the sick person. Vinitra that person is cured. 
or met, or he passed away. He has to complete the fast that he received upon himself. But a congregation uh, the congregation, uh, but if the, most of the congregation decides to do it, they have to do it. We see that the Mishneh Torah, the Rambam writes, when an individual was fasting for a sick person, the latter recovered, uh, or because of a distressing situation, difficulty passed, he should complete his fast. Uh, we see also the Gemara in Ta'anit, it says the rabbis taught in the Brayta with regard to one who was fasting for a certain trouble, the trouble passed, or if one was fasting for the recovery of a sick person. The person was healed. One may not seize his fast merely because it is, cause has been removed. Rather, he completes the fast. So we're, we're allowed in certain times to make, uh, to make uh, a vow in order to save ourselves. Um, we say uh, a person, though, is supposed to shy away from making nidarim, vows that would technically obligate someone to do something. Uh, for example, someone's going to say, I will not eat meat except at a seudah mitzvah. I'm going to learn 15 minutes a day, or I'm going to talk to my lonely neighbor twice a week. Uh, it's, it's dangerous to make vows because a person really has to stick to the vow, and we know how dangerous it is when a person makes a vow and he doesn't stick to it. But we see that there's definitely an exception, and that exception is a person may take on a vow or something extra as an obligation in a time of trouble or sada. We see that, like we said, based on Yaakov Avinu. So we see also, for example, that Hana, she vowed that if Hashem would give her a child, she would give over the child to Eliyah Kohen to serve in the Bet HaMikdash his entire life. And this occurs in her child who's born Ishmuel Hanavi. So we have to remember, we're supposed to refrain from nedarim. In times of trouble, it seems they're encouraged. Second, many of the Rishonim have the opinion that it's a mitzvah, even obligation to make a nedar in such times. We have to remember that making such a vow, even before its actual fulfillment, is considered meritorious and would very possibly provide the tipping of the scale for the needed Yeshua immediately. We're being taught that this is not considered inappropriate to make deals with Hashem. Let's just look at Sefer Hasidim. Someone with a problem should not quickly jump to make a neder unthinkingly that he'll later regret. Rather, he should go to a Talmud Hacham, discuss the matter, figure out what he or she needs strengthening in, in their spiritual life, and what he or she is also capable of sticking to. Once a decision is reached, it's a mitzvah to make such a vow. The vow should not be seen as a magic wand, though. If a person has an illness in his stomach, that doesn't mean he should vow to stop eating that part of the animal's meat. Rather, he should think about what part of his life needs chizuk. And if he has an inkling of midah kenegin midah, so much the better that he should focus on. Still many modern day poskim, recognizing perhaps our frailty, suggest strongly even in such cases, it's always done beli neder. We see Rav Moshe Feinstein, Zecher Sadif Levracha, Rav Chaim Kanietzky, Zecher Sadif It seems that they would say, uh, the immediate merit would not be obtained in such a case, but there are those who recommend sticking to the neder formula after an honest assessment of one's capabilities. So someone's going to ask, what about hatarad nedarim? And the, 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 it's, we see that there's a seriousness to this vows that one probably should not perform hatarad nedarim on these 
vows for fear that tzara might return unless there's an extremely pressing need. Uh, some propose an interesting idea. If the form of the neder was unconditional, meaning I have this problem, Hashem, I promise to give 5,000 shekel to tzedakah as a merit for Yeshua with no conditions, and the merit kicks in immediately and the problem is resolved, the neder can be subjected to hatara nedarim. But if the neder was originally made as a conditional one, such as the prototypical one that Yaakov made in which the obligation to fulfill its condition is, is on a Yeshua, a person cannot be matir. Like we read in the Shulchan Aruch or Chaim, that it can be actually done in two ways. It could be done unconditionally, whether or not there is Yeshua, and conditional upon the Yeshua occurring. One imagines that the conditional one smacks of shallowness or even hypocrisy, but the truth is that the sources from where the idea is derived deal with the conditional kind. The person is saying, this is an extra effort in my avodat Hashem. Obviously, it's part of my basic obligation. No deder would be necessary. I'm saying I'm going lifne, I'm going beyond. I can adopt it and will if Hashem goes the extra mile of rachamim and saves me, or us, despite the unworthiness which brought about the sarah in the first place. The question is, is it more praiseworthy to make an unconditional one? Logically, we would imagine one would think so, yet uh, we uh, we don't find this in the in the post scheme. So there's something to think about. But really we see that people do it and and people have a Yeshua and people then have to stick to it. Uh, like I said, the problem is that if we don't stick to it, uh, unfortunately, we can see that the Sarah will return. Uh, more on this later, but enough for now. Shabbat Shalom, everybody. Have a great day. Hopefully we uh, don't need to make these vows and Hashem blesses us and takes care of all of us each and every one of us with health, happiness, peace, prosperity. We see the release of all the hostages and a complete victory for B'nai Israel. Mashiach, B'merav, Yamero, Amen.